For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Father, we, we just need you this morning. This, this truth is so central. It's, it's what takes us from dead religion to a living relationship, a living hope with you. It is your spirit that makes alive. The flesh profits nothing. Father, I pray that your spirit would touch Reed, that he would speak your words and that they would go into our hearts. Help us to hear, Lord, and to, and to see. And please open our eyes and open our ears, Father. We thank you, God, and just ask you to illumine the word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we are continuing on our uh, series on the new, new covenant, and we're talking about something I believe is very, very central uh, to understanding the new covenant. So I want to ask you a question this morning. What thoughts do you have when you think of God? And maybe even more important, what feelings do you have when you think of God? Does the thought of God stir up feelings of fear or condemnation? Uh, does the thought of God make you feel troubled and uneasy? Uh, does it mainly stir up a sense of duty and you think, oh man, I should be doing this or I shouldn't be doing that? Uh, there are many people, even who consider themselves Christians, who, who dislike God or fear Him or become nervous at the thought of Him. Uh, they view God as a distant being whose expectations uh, they fail to meet and therefore feel a constant sense of disapproval. Uh, they view God as someone who basically is disappointed in them. Well, the Holy Spirit comes into your life to take all that away and to replace it with a spirit of sonship or a spirit of adoption. When you repent of your sins and trust in Christ, you become a son of God, a child of God. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit to make you know and feel like a son. To make you know that you are loved and cared for as a son. That you have the standing, the place of a son. That you have a safe and secure place with your heavenly father. That he accepts you as his very own. That you belong to him as a child belongs to his father. John Brown, in his commentary on Romans, said, The Spirit leads you to regard God with delightful feelings of love and confidence with which a child regards his father. And the real tragedy is when those who are children of God continue to live as though, as though they were slaves or outcasts and do not enjoy this place as sons of God. When believers still feel insecure, isolated, lonely, abandoned, or alienated from God. Something is terribly wrong. Because at the very core of our new life in Jesus, at the very core of this new covenant relationship that Jesus 
shed his blood to bring us into, at the very core of this, is this sense of sonship, this sense of being a child of God. The Holy Spirit has been sent into your heart for this very purpose, to make you know and feel that you are a son. Here in Romans 8, uh, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Sonship. His supreme work is to confirm in you that you are a child of God and to cause you to love and trust God as a child. Martin Luther translated this passage, we have been given the spirit of a child or the spirit of childship. Other translations say the spirit of sonship or a spirit of adoption to sonship or a spirit of adoption as sons, all communicating the same thing. Now, before I go deeper into this, I want to clear up something that that may confuse some. When we talk about being uh, sons and not slaves, some people may get just a little confused because many times the Apostle Paul referred to himself as a servant of Christ. He said he was a bondservant or literally a slave of Christ. But in our passage this morning and in a parallel passage in Galatians, Paul clearly says that we are not slaves but sons. So which is it? Okay. Well, in a way, it's both. Uh, being bondservants in the way that Paul uses it emphasizes his complete loyalty to Jesus Christ, his desire to obey Jesus completely, to be utterly true to the Lord. And in that sense, I would wish all of us to be slaves of Christ. And I personally count it a great joy to offer myself to Christ as his servant or slave. I want to be that. But there is another aspect of being a slave that does not belong to our relationship with God at all. And that is a sense of fear or bondage. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. NIV puts it, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live again in fear. The ESV, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. And the good old King James, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. So the Bible clearly teaches that in the new covenant, we are, we are not enslaved to sin, we are not enslaved to the law, and we are not enslaved to to fear in our relationship with God. So what is the spirit of bondage that the Bible says you did not receive from the Holy Spirit? It is a, it is a slave-like spirit, a spirit of dislike and fear, the spirit with, with which a slave would have toward his taskmaster, the spirit he would have towards his forced labor, the spirit which leads you to fear and tremble. This is not what God gave you. In the, in the new covenant, our basic relationship with God is sons, not fearful slaves. Galatians 4, 3, which I will be quoting from throughout this because it's such a parallel passage and brings out a few uh, slightly different uh, emphasis than the, the passage in Romans does. But in Galatians 4, 3, it says, 
So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. And I quote that passage partially, at least, to help us see that this slavery or this bondage to fear that Paul is talking about is associated with the law that we've been delivered from. So Paul uses slavery and freedom to contrast the old covenant with the new covenant, the old life with the new life, our relationship to the law versus our relationship now to the Spirit. And this slave-like spirit of bondage has to do with living a law-based life instead of a spirit-indwelt and spirit-led life. But So now that the Spirit has come and the Spirit has brought us into a new covenant relationship with God, that is not based on religious fear, on bondage to detailed laws and religious observances. So we, are, so we are not living in fear of laws. We are not living in fear that God will banish us from his presence if we don't just toe the line and do everything right. Instead, we are living in freedom and in this secure and joyful relationship with our Abba Father. And this freedom of spirit, this security of spirit, this freedom of spirit is at the very heart of the new covenant. Galatians, I believe, also points out that the spirit of bondage and slavery is a part of fallen human nature and can only, uh, we can only be released from it when we are born again and when the spirit comes into our hearts. Galatians 4.8 says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves. So it's just a, it's a part of not really knowing God. Unbelievers do not have a secure, saved relationship with the one true God. And so they feel uneasy about God. They have a deep down dislike or distaste for God, a discomfort with God. God to them is a judge, a lawgiver, a killjoy, someone they do not want to bring their life into submission to. Like Adam, they want to hide from God. And I think this is why atheists are so passionate about denying the existence of God. So the spirit of fear and bondage towards God, this dislike of God, is really a part of the human, uh, fallen human nature. But verse 15 goes on, You did not receive a spirit of bondage leading to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. And so it, it says you did not receive something, but you did receive something. We didn't receive this fearful sense of bondage like a slave, but you did receive the spirit of sonship or a, 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 a spirit with which children regard a fa- their father. It is a spirit of love and confidence that creates a desire to cheerfully obey your heavenly father. So instead of being a slave... And cowering in fear before a great lawgiver, fearful of rejection, anticipating harsh and unloving treatment, you are like a child who can't wait to see his daddy come home from work. 
And you, if those of you that have kids, you've seen your kids run to the door and run up to you and give you a hug and how excited they are and how bright their eyes are. That is the spirit that God is putting in you towards him. The Holy Spirit gives you that kind of at, in, an attachment to your heavenly father. And because you are a son of God, the Holy Spirit moves you to respond to God now as your loving Father. He creates in your heart a longing, a desire, a love for your heavenly Father. And he removes this sense of fear, this apprehension, this sense of bondage. Galatians, uh, or excuse me, in, in, uh, yeah, in Galatians verse 15, it says you did not be, or, I'm sorry, it's back in Romans, I apologize. Romans uh, 8.15 says you did not receive a, a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. In other words, you didn't come out from underneath the law and a, a place of fear in order, into the new covenant in order to fear again. This is to be something totally different that we experience now. The Holy Spirit has entered your spirit, freeing you from this sense of alarm and dread and terror towards God, freeing you from a fearful and reluctant kind of obedience. And in place of this, he puts within you a childlike love and trust and a childlike desire to obey and please God. You know, our granddaughter, Olivia, Josh's was it Josh's birthday? That's just coming up, though, again. Anyway, sometime, some event for Josh, she wanted to cook the entire meal for him. You know, she just had it in her heart. She wanted to fix the, the whole meal, the, you know, from beginning to end, the dessert, everything. And that was just in her heart, or her desire to please her daddy, to please her, her earthly father. And that's the sort of spirit, the sort of desire that God puts in our heart toward our heavenly Father. Verse 15 goes on, and by him the Holy and by him or by the Holy Spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. This spirit of sonship, the spirit of, of adoption, causes you to cry out to God as your Father. And so this relationship with God is first expressed as a cry. It's a cry of love and longing for him. And this word cry uh, means a loud cry expressing deep emotion. Uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, The spirit of adoption is essentially a matter of our feelings towards God, about feelings of love towards God, desire for God, and desire for greater and deeper fellowship with God. In other words... Because of the work of the Holy Spirit being sent by God into our hearts, you want God. You want to be with God. You want to be near God. You desire fellowship with God. There's the, you have this heart for God that is put in you by the Holy Spirit. This is what do we cry? We cry, Abba, Father. And Abba is a word meaning Father, but there's something very special about this word Abba. It is a word that is used by children in talking to their fathers. It is a word that Paul surely used himself when he was a child towards his own father. It's a word that he had heard other 
sons and daughters use for their fathers. And it is a word that slaves in the household were not allowed to use for the head of the household. It was a word that was reserved for the children. You know, a child does not call his father Mr. Powell or Mr. DeGroat or Mr. Rye. A child uses words like Papa or Daddy. And Paul is saying that that is how personal and affectionate and informal we can be with the God of heaven. It's amazing. We are no longer slaves, living in a spirit of bondage and fear. We are sons, and so we are entitled to use this very affectionate, personal word, Abba. And we are, we are not only entitled to use it, we are led by the Spirit to use it. We are led by the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit to speak to our Heavenly Father as a small child speaks to his father. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones points out that a child does not come to his father in a formal, dignified way. And a father would not want his son or daughter to do that. He said there is nothing here about a beautiful and dignified service, i.e. nothing formal here. Rather, we are looking at a child. There is no dignity in a child, still less pomposity. And there is nothing dignified about the term Abba. As I have been showing, it is the familiar, not the dignified. So you get a sense of this personal, affectionate, informal, free way that we are to come to our Heavenly Father and enjoy our relationship with Him. Samuel Chadwick was uh, a well-known English minister in, at the beginning of this century. He's written some great books on prayer. And in one of them, he told a story about when he was a young man, he went to apply for a job at the home of a very wealthy and respected man in London. And as he approached the door, he did so with fear and trembling. He knocked at the door and he asked as respectfully as he could to see the man of the house. And the maid welcomed him in. But as he glanced across the room of this home, he saw this great man in his office on his hands and knees with two of his children riding on his back like a horse. And he was amazed at how he felt he had to stand back from this great man, but the children felt free to come in and enjoy their father, their daddy. And that's the kind of freedom that we are to have as children of God, as sons of God. You know, there are times when I pray that I certainly address God as Almighty God, Creator God, awesome and holy God. But there would be something not quite right about always or mainly seeing God only in this light. We are to be on childlike terms uh, with God, intimate and affectionate terms with our Heavenly Father. When we talk about God as Father or Abba Father, I realize that there are some here who do not have good feelings toward their earthly father. But please, please do not buy into lies like, I can never find intimacy with God because my earthly father ruined my concept of fatherhood. 
I've heard people say things like that, close to that, so many times. But it is the Holy Spirit that creates this kind of childlike love in your heart for God as your Father. It does not depend upon you having had a great home life when you were growing up. It is a work of the Holy Spirit, not a work of your past. Galatians 4, 6 attributes this cry directly to the Holy Spirit. Galatians 4, 6 says, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So it is, this, it is the Holy Spirit who gives you this delight in God as your Father, no matter what your past has been. And I love what, what uh, Martin Luther said again. He said, for, for we bring not this desire or affection with us, neither can it be taught by any laws how to obtain it. This change is plainly and simply the work of the right hand of the Most High God. It's a work of God. It's a work of the Holy Spirit, something that He does in you. Verse 16 goes on to say, The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God or that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit testifies, or some versions say the Holy Spirit bears witness. He testifies with our spirit or bears witness with our spirit. What does that mean? Well, it means that the Holy Spirit communicates with our spirit. He, he lets us know, He assures us, He verifies to us that we are God's children. He communicates directly to your spirit that you are in this state of acceptance with God, that you are adopted into God's family, that you are His child, that you are in this child and father relationship with God. You don't have to persuade yourself or talk yourself into being in this relationship. You are, you are given a confidence that is deeper than words, that is deeper than human understanding. It's an instinctive knowledge. It is something that you don't get from logic. It's an inner confidence. A, it's been described as a warmth, a warmth in your heart towards God and a happiness in God. Just like, again, as like little children are happy to see Daddy come home from work. When he opens the door, they run to him. They maybe grab his hand or wrap themselves around his legs. And you see that and you ask, who put that in them? Who put that in that little child to do that? And it, it, it really defies explanation. It's, it's intuitive. It's instinctive. It's something that comes from within them. Well, in the same way, no one can explain this dot desire that you have to run to your Heavenly Father. All this is placed in your heart by the Holy Spirit. It says, you received the spirit of adoption or the spirit of sonship. The spirit of attachment childlike attachment to your heavenly father. And I think it's clear from this passage this, that this assurance or this witness of the Spirit is by, is by direct revelation. It is not merely that you understand a Bible verse that says, like, to all who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I mean, it is really important to understand that, and sometimes we just have to go back and base our salvation on that objective truth. God said this, I believe it. That settles it. And that's very important 
But this is something different. It's something more. This is the Holy Spirit telling you directly. It is spirit-to-spirit communication. It is the Holy Spirit telling you directly that you are a beloved son or daughter of God, that you belong to him. And one more time, I will quote Martin Lloyd-Jones on this passage. He says, It is a wonderful thing to tell someone that you love him or her. And I, I hope many of you did that yesterday, right? It's a wonderful thing to tell someone you love that you love him or her. But still more wonderful is the experience of being told by the other that he or she loves you. In verse 15, we tell God that we love him. We have the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father, the child's cry of love to the Father. Ah, but here it is God through the Spirit who is telling us that He loves us and doing so in the most unmistakable manner. It is personal and secret. I hope that is as precious to you as it was to me when I read that. And he goes on to say it is like the white stone uh, revelation in the book of Revelation with your name on it. No one knows this but the one who receives it. Again, it is spirit-to-spirit communication, heart-to-heart. It is the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your spirit. You just know that you know, and you have this wonderful confidence that you belong to God, that you're his child, that you're in this secure, happy, accepted relationship with God, and you come to him as Abba Father or Papa, however you want to express that. Now, there's a few things I, w- I want to consider that I think it's important to keep in mind from this. Although God makes has made us sons, you and I may fall back into serving God with a bondage or a slave mentality. You know, as wonderful as these truths are, there are times that many Christians, and probably most all of us, regard ourselves more as a slave than as a this affectionate, loving, obedient child who's eager to please his father. And this is clearly what was happening in the book of Galatians. In fact, uh, in this passage on sonship in Galatians 4, 9, Paul says, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? In other words, they were sliding back into this relating to God on the basis of law and the basis of, of a slavery spirit or a bondage, fearful spirit. And Paul says, do you really want to go back to that? Do you want to be enslaved again? And this is just something that we, that we must continually deal with. And often, I will hear some new popular author or speaker who's calling Christians to a kind of deeper experience or a more committed form of Christianity. And it is usually very sincere Christians who are reading or listening to this man. And while the church desperately needs a call to real Christianity and real committed Christianity, so often what I see and hear is a call back to some form of slavery or some form of law-based living, or some kind of outward standards, rather than a radical call 
to live in the Spirit and by the Spirit. There are so many temptations, so many opportunities to go back, to turn back to law-based living instead of loving and obeying God in the freedom of sonship. So beware. You know, A.W. Tozier, when he was making some comments on this passage, he says, so many times Christians do not know when they are well off. Hey, and we, and we are well off under the new covenant. And so to try to go back to some sort of law-based, uh, condemnation-based, sort of performance-based sort of living is just such a tragedy. Why go back to that? We are, we are well off, brothers and sisters, under the new covenant. Let us, let us live in that. Let us enjoy that. Let us remain in that. Uh, second thing to consider, this intimate sonship relationship with God does not mean that you lose reverential respect and godly fear for God. You still fear displeasing Him, out of not, but not out of this terror or fright that He will banish you but because you love your father as his child, as his son, and you desire to please him. You still have the sense of the majesty of God. You do not lose the appreciation that he is an awesome and a holy God. And you have a deep sense of the greatness of the privilege of coming to him. So, it's... Again, it's not an either-or sort of thing. That is a part of this sonship relationship. Our, our relationship with God is to be deeply rever- reverential, yet at the same time, free-hearted and affectionate as a son has for his father. Third, this does not mean that you never have any feelings that you are lonely or forsaken. You, you might go through times where you feel disconnected or like God has deserted you. Um, maybe you're going through an su- extreme trial or a disappointment or a period of, of unbelief or maybe even a certain time of day or night that it just, you just have feelings like that. But if the Spirit of Christ, if the, if the Spirit of God has been sent into your heart, when you are reminded of these promises, your heart will jump at these Comforting words of Scripture. Something within you will, will leap to grab a hold of these comforting promises and you will respond with a revived spirit and a hope and happiness. Something within you will say, yes, that is true of me. That is what my true feelings are. That is what my real attachment is. That is, that is how secure I am. That is my relationship with the Father. And I have several applications that I'd like us to focus on as we wrap this up. Um, first, do you know that you are a child of God? I mean, this spirit of sonship is, is not for everyone on earth. It is, I mean, it's, it's, it's offered, it's offered, but it is only for those who have turned from sins to place their faith in Jesus Christ, and, and do belong to Him. So, a question has to be asked, do you know that you are a child of God? Do you have this assurance? Do you 
do you recognize what we're talking about this morning? That the Spirit has been sent into my heart, and my heart therefore cries out, Abba, Father. I have this Spirit of Sonship. If not, there is, there is no more important application than to go to God this morning for that spirit of sonship. To go to God through Jesus Christ, coming to God through Jesus, and tell Him that you want to belong to Him as a son. The Scripture does say, to as many as received Him, to as many as who believed on Jesus, to, who received Him, to them he, be, he gave the right or the power to become sons of God. Secondly, address God as Father in your prayers. When Jesus taught us how to pray, he said, when you pray, say, our Father. God is not the man upstairs. He is your heavenly Father. You can dare to call him Papa or dear Father or even Daddy, if that is the word that expresses this affectionate relationship to you. But you can go to God and speak to God as free as a child. And you can address him in this way. You can call him Abba Father. Third application. You are free from formal, stiff, liturgical religion. I know people have different tastes in worship. And I'm not trying to be critical of different styles of worship. Variation is good. But our relationship with God is not basically a formal relationship. It has the freedom, the affection, the cry of a child for its papa. And it seems to me that the less of this Abba Father relationship that people have with God, often the more formal they incline to be in their worship. You don't need a, 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 a cavernous cathedral to worship God. You don't need prayer beads. You don't need to bow before a lit candle. You don't need stained glass windows. You don't need a glorious choir in robes singing in musical perfection. You don't need to speak in a low whisper to God. You don't have to go to a chapel or a church building to feel near to Him. Even right here, we don't have to have a perfect church service, perfect music, every note hit right. We don't have to have a perfect sermon in order to lovingly worship God. We are just children. We are just children coming to our Heavenly Father, coming together as children to worship and love Him and seek to please Him and obey Him. Fourth, do not let the affairs of everyday life or even the Christian life or even church life or being a pastor or a deacon or serving God in some other way, don't let any of these things draw you away from the enjoyment of this basic relationship of being a son of God, a child, a son or daughter of God. You can become so absorbed with issues at your work. You can become even so absorbed with being a good mom or dad or a good husband or wife or of getting to the next event or getting your kids to all their next events. You can become even so absorbed with 
finding God's will for you or for your career or, or so absorbed with wrestling with a doctrinal issue that you forget the most glorious thing we have in life is this childlike relationship with God. This is the most important thing about you, that you are a son or daughter of God. And it is, it is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It is a gift for you to enjoy, to revel in, to be blessed by, and to feel blessed by that. You know, if we really understand the, the richness, the, 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 the unfathomably great privilege of being brought into this sort of, of accepted, affectionate relationship with God, you know, we won't be going around saying, you know, what a bummer my life is, or when are things ever going to go my way, or when will I ever get a break? I mean, we just won't be thinking like that if we really understand the privileges, the new covenant privileges that we have, and certainly this one of being a son or daughter of God. You know, I've been saying to Cindy, and I don't know, it seemed like when we started this new covenant series, this, just the thought hit me that, you know, what a great thing it is to be a Christian. And I feel like whenever I'm not thinking that way, I'm off base. And one of the things that I want to communicate to us through this series on the New Covenant is that mentality, that we should go around thinking, man, what a great thing it is to be a Christian. How good I have it. Man, I am so blessed. This is such a wonderful thing to be in this kind of relationship with God. And that, that, is, the, that is the attitude that will come out of a deeper understanding of the new covenant that Jesus purchased for us in his blood. We'll, you'll, you'll go around thinking, man, what a great thing it is to be a Christian. I really have it so good. I'm so blessed. And the last application is just respond to the Holy Spirit's promptings to call out to God, Abba, Father, dear Father. Again, it is, it is a work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been sent into your heart. If you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit has been sent into your heart producing this cry, producing this affection, producing this desire to call out to God as your dear father or your, your papa, your, your heavenly father. And so I just encourage you to, to do that, to allow the Holy Spirit to, to prompt you and then to follow that prompting. And just tell God, I am so glad to be your son or daughter. And talk to God as a child talking to his father. Don't quench this spirit that is in you, crying out, Abba, Father. Let him lead you into this kind of personal intimacy and informality and enjoyment of your heavenly father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the incredible privilege of being your sons and daughters. We thank you so much for the price that Jesus paid in his blood to bring us into this relationship, and then that you sent your Spirit, the Holy Spirit, into our hearts, that we possess him living and dwelling in us, and part of the blessing of, of that Spirit, your Spirit being in us, is that we, we have a cry in our heart for you. We want you. 
God, we love you. We love you as our Father, our Papa, our Heavenly Father. And we turn to you with our needs, with our hurts, with our aches. We turn to you with everything that is in us and just desire to live and dwell in this intimate relationship with you. Father, I pray for the Holy Spirit to just open our hearts to understand these things, to rejoice more fully in these things, to, to live in the sense of privilege and delight and happiness of possessing such a great honor and privilege as we have studied and heard about this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.